and truth have come in Christ. And I'm so glad about that. Grace and truth have come in Christ. This is the good news, that you don't have to live your life by rules. You don't have to try and be a good person. Because Jesus has completed what Christ, what God intended for Him to do. And because of what Jesus has done, we can live our lives free. Without rules, without compulsion, without trying to please God to live in a moral way. We are acceptable before God because of what Christ has done. Now for me, that's really, really good news. (laughs) And uh, that's called the gospel. That's called the gospel of Jesus. And it's been an extraordinary week this week. I don't know if you listen to the news, but David Cameron declared this week that uh, this is a Christian nation. We shouldn't be embarrassed to say that. So I appreciate that. Uh, On the other hand, we had Christopher Hitchens who died. Who knows who Christopher Hitchens is? Christopher Hitchens is one of the most, was one of the most aggressive atheists together with Richard Dawkins. And um, he died at the age of 62 this week. And uh, he's an Englishman who was living in America. But he's, he's been an aggressive atheist for many, many years. Uh, along with Richard Dawkins. And I guess what I'm trying to say, there's these kind of these extremes. On the one hand, we say, we, 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 um, there's all the statistics about what a state the nation is in. We have Cameron saying one thing, and then there's another person who's um, recently died who spent his life trying to say exactly the opposite, that there is no God, there's no eternity. Well, I want to say, perhaps Mr. Hitchens is finding out now that actually, at the end of the day, Christians live for eternity, and there's eternity which is more real. There's a heaven that is more real than this journey that we're on right now. And we tabernacle, that's the the word the Bible uses, we live in tents on this earth, but our home is not here. Our home is in eternity with Him, the author of all things. And uh, it's been an extraordinary week. (laughs) And I, for my part, have been trying to preach around the gospel the last number of years, and in particular, uh, this last three or four weeks, I've been trying to talk about Christmas in the context of the gospel. People have asked me, do I have a thing about Christmas? I don't have a thing about Christmas. I have a thing about the gospel. And actually, what we celebrate now as Christians is the coming of the gospel into the finite world of men. That's why we get excited about it. That's what's so exciting. And I hope something of this morning you'll catch some of my heart. We celebrate the good news coming to earth at this time of year. That is worth celebrating. If you've ever experienced forgiveness in your life, if you've ever experienced the truth of God impacting your heart, if you know what it means to be forgiven, if you know what it means for all of your sin to be washed away and you are completely as white as now, if you've experienced that for yourself, then it's worth celebrating the coming of Jesus because he made that possible. And so I've tried to have a look at the incarnation, the coming of God in the form of a baby. And we try to look through the eyes of the angels and we looked at how they call us to worship. And that's what the role of the angels was in the story. We looked at Anna and Simeon and how their simple lives of faith, expecting Messiah, waiting for, anticipating grace to come, and they saw it with their own eyes. Do you remember those messages? And uh, last week, Greg Downs humorously and wonderfully had a look at uh, the theme of Christmas through history. And I trust you've caught something of our heart. That's what we, we're trying to just paint in different ways. It's actually, the gospel is worth getting excited about. Jesus is worth getting excited about. And this God child, the story of the God child and the manger in the Bethlehem, is that, that's really what it's about. It's about God coming 
and dwelling on earth. If you say that's incredible, it is incredible. If you say that's hard to believe, it is hard to believe. But this is the truth of the gospel. This is what Christians believe. This is not religion. This is liberty and freedom. This is the good news of Jesus. That we can have complete freedom because of what he's done. And he washes all of our sins away. And so I want to begin this morning by hoping that you did enjoy the nativity and the little play that the guys put on, which kind of speaks through the story of what Christmas is. But my dad, my dear dad, sent me a story this week that I'd like to share with you before we read John chapter 1. And I, every Christmas these stories circulate, and I'm not sure if this is recent. I, I, I would presume it's with, certainly within the last five years because of some of the examples in the story. But apparently the White House declared that Christmas trees were no longer to be called Christmas trees. They were to be called holiday trees. And so there's a guy working for CBS called Ben Stein, and he wrote this piece which my dad forwarded onto me, and um, he has a program on CBS every Sunday morning. And it says this, it's called My Confession. And he simply says this, I'm a Jew, and every single one of my ancestors was Jewish. And doesn't bother me even a little bit when people call those beautiful lit up bejeweled trees Christmas trees. I don't feel threatened. I don't feel discriminated against. That's what they are, Christmas trees. It doesn't bother me a bit when people say, Merry Christmas to me. I don't think they're slighting me or getting me ready or getting ready to put me in a ghetto. In fact, I quite like it. It shows that we are all brothers and sisters celebrating this happy time of year. It doesn't bother me at all that there's a manger scene on display at a key intersection near my beach house in Malibu. If people want to crash, it's fine with me, as is the menorah a few hundred yards away. I don't like getting pushed around for being a Jew. And I don't think Christians like getting pushed around for being Christians. I think people who believe in God are sick and tired of getting pushed around, period. I have no idea where the concept came from that America is explicitly atheist. I can't find it in the Constitution, and I don't like it being shoved down my throat. Or maybe we can put it another way. Where did the idea come from that we should worship celebrities and we aren't allowed to worship God? I guess that's a sign that I'm getting old too. But there are a lot of us who are wondering where these celebrities came from and where the America we knew went to. In the light of the many jokes we send to one another for life, this is a little different. This is not intended to be a joke. It's not funny. It's, it's intended to get you thinking. Billy Graham's daughter was interviewed on the early show, and Jane Clayson asked her about Hurricane Katrina. How could God let something like this happen? Anne Graham gave an extremely profound and insightful response. She said, I believe God is deeply saddened by this, just as we are. But for years we've been telling God to get out of our schools, and to get out of our government, and to get out of our lives. And being the gentleman he is, I believe he's calmly backed out. How can we expect God to give us his blessing and protection if we demand he leaves us alone? In the light of recent events, terrorist attacks, school shootings, etc., I think it started when Madeleine Murray O'Hare, she was murdered and her body was found a few years ago, when she complained that she didn't want prayer in our schools, and so we said, okay. 
Then someone said, you better not read the Bible in school. The Bible says you shouldn't kill, you shouldn't steal, you should love your neighbor as yourself. And we said, okay. And then Benjamin Spock said, we shouldn't spank our children when they misbehave because their little personalities would be warped. We might damage their little self-esteem. Dr. Spock's son himself committed suicide. We, should, we, sh- we said we should listen to an expert who should know what he's talking about. And so we said, okay. And now we're asking ourselves why our children have no conscience, why they don't know right from wrong, why it doesn't bother them when they kill strangers, their classmates, and themselves. And probably if we think about it long and hard enough, we can figure it out. I think it's a great deal to do with what we sow, we shall reap. Funny how simple it is for people to trash God and then to wonder why the world is going to hell. Funny how we believe what the newspapers say, but question in every way what the Bible says. Funny how you can send jokes through an email and they spread like wildfire, but when you start sending messages regarding the Lord, people think twice about sharing. Funny how lewd, crude, vulgar, and obscene articles pass freely through cyberspace, but public discussion of God is suppressed in the school and in the workplace. It's funny how when you forward this message, you will not send it to many on your address list because you're not quite sure what they'll believe or what they'll think of you for sending it. Funny how we can be more worried about what other people think of us than what God thinks of us. And so it says, pass this on if you think it has merit. It's obviously an email thing. If not, just discard it. No one will know that you did. But if you discard this thought process, don't sit back and complain about what bad shape the world is in. My best regards, honestly and respectfully, Ben Stein. Well, I don't know about you, but that challenges me, and I I might not necessarily agree with every detail of what he says, but I do think this, that it raises some vital things in terms of our thinking. What arrested me most out of that whole little story was the last little paragraph. If you discard this thought process, don't sit back and complain about what bad shape the world is in. And I've been thinking about that. This world is in a mess. This world desperately needs the gospel of Jesus. This world desperately needs forgiveness. This world desperately needs a Savior which can remove the past of pain and sin and replace that pain with a whole new future. And I want to say to you, that is my primary motivation about getting excited at this time of year. I want to take every opportunity to preach the good news of Jesus. Paul said, I have become all things to all men in order that some might be saved. You do whatever you can to present and preach the good news to as many as you can so that some might be saved. And you use every opportunity to do that. That's my philosophy. And that's why I'm excited. I don't have a thing about Christmas. I have a thing about the gospel of Jesus. I want to have every opportunity to preach it. In order that some be saved. So I want to, once again... I want to encourage you to look beyond the Christmas trees, the tinsel, the commercialism, and all the preferences that you might have around those things, and look to what the heart of Christmas is. The heart of Christmas is the coming of the gospel to us. That is good news. <laughs> it's about the gospel. And I want to read for, 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 together with you this morning 
for me, the most powerful couple of paragraphs which summarize everything about what we're talking about over these months. John chapter 1. Can you go with me? And I'm reading out of the ESV, the English Standard Version. Right? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He's talking about John the baptizer. He's not talking about himself, right? John the apostle wrote this. He's talking about John the baptizer. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, but his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the one and only Son from God, from God the Father, full of grace and truth. One of my favorite verses in the entire scripture. John bore witness about him and cried, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. And I love this verse as well. For from his fullness, the fullness of Christ, we have all received grace upon grace. How many of you need daily forgiveness in your life? I'm the first to put up my hand. How many of you need grace to love your wife? I'm the first to put up my hand. How many of you need grace to love your kids and to parent your kids every second of every day? I'm the first to put up my hand. I want, this is the good news of the gospel. From His fullness, the fullness of Christ, we receive daily grace upon grace to live as He's called us to live. That's good news. You don't have to try hard. You just have to say, God, by your Spirit, help me today. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. Grace and truth came through Jesus. This is this mystery of the gospel. This is the simplicity of the gospel. This is the offense of the gospel to the atheist. That grace and truth could possibly come through one man. God could be so, so bold to say, I will come and live with you as a person. I will humble myself, and in me, I will meet all the fullness of the requirements of, that I have for all humanity, and I will set everyone free. It's too, it's too, too preposterous to believe. That's why it's called good news. That's why it's called the gospel of Jesus. That's what we celebrate. From his fullness, we have received grace upon Grace. Grace and truth came to us through Jesus. So a couple of points. I will be 10 minutes, 15 minutes max. John's gospel was the last of the four gospels written, all right? 
It was written by him, this Apostle John, and some of his friends, and it supplements what we know through about, uh, about Jesus in addition to the other three Gospels. And the main theme of John is very simple. It's simply this. He's trying to point us to the life and the light that is received by faith in Jesus. And he uses this term, the Word of the Father who became flesh. That's the main point of John. The Word of the Father becoming flesh. And so John, in these verses, gives a special title to Jesus, the Son of God. He calls Him the Word. Jesus is the Word of God. What does that mean? It means that Jesus, as we look at Jesus, Jesus is God's way of speaking to us. Jesus, through Jesus, God speaks and communicates to His people and by His Spirit. And so, that's why Jesus said, very simply, He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you understand who I am and what I'm about, you have seen the Father in heaven. And you can know the Father through me and through my life. And so John says a number of things about Jesus, who's the Word. He says the Word is eternal. So we could translate the first verse. We could say, in the beginning, the Word was already there. That's what it means to be eternal. The Word was already there. In the beginning, the Word was already there. The Word, Jesus, is distinct from the Father, God, and yet He Himself is divine. This is the mystery of the Trinity that we celebrate as Christians. And John goes on and says, not only is the word eternal, but he says, through the word, Jesus, all creation happens. Everything. Uh, we've been having some good discussions in our home. Matt is doing a, um, an, a GCSC on um, astro- astronomy. And so it's learning about the universe and how things were created and all the theories of how so it's incredible how big the universe is and how many billions of light years it takes to measure even the smallest part of it. And we've been talking about these things. But the the Bible says this. The Bible says that through Jesus, all things were created. All right? All life happened. So, John says, Jesus is the source of every kind of life. In Him was life. He's the light of all. So, every kind of life comes from from Jesus. Human life, body and soul life, the life of God, eternal life. All life comes from Christ. And he says the Word is the source of every kind of light. And we had a look at this when we were looking at James, but just to refresh your memory. The light shines in the darkness. So that means every kind of observing that we uh, are enabled to do. Every understanding comes from the light of Christ. It takes light to move our bodies, but it takes light to see with perception. And Jesus is light. Jesus, the the light of Jesus overcomes darkness. It breaks open the darkness. It uh, overcomes sin. Nothing can stop light. Nothing can put it out. That's what John is trying to say. And then we come to this incredible, powerful sentence, and the Word became flesh. John is saying all of what he's trying to describe and saying the Word was eternal, the Word was light, etc., etc. All of that became flesh. My point is extremely plain this morning, very simple. Salvation comes in and through Jesus. We do not have to save ourselves. And this is how people try and save themselves. They try and save themselves through good behavior. They try and save themselves by charitable works. They try and save themselves by living by rules. And say, if I live by the rules, God will be pleased with me. If that's what you believe, I want to to gently say to you this morning, you have completely misunderstood what the Bible teaches about salvation. 
Jesus himself, the person of Jesus, is our Savior. If we have Jesus, we have salvation. There's nothing more you need in your life. You need Jesus. That's it. When you have Jesus, you have salvation. He who has me has, ha- has life, the Bible says, and life in all its fullness. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. It's as simple as that. And so all our trying very hard is putting our effort in the wrong place. We should be just putting our effort into loving Jesus with all of our hearts. Loving Jesus with all of our hearts means we're going to behave well. If you love Jesus with all your heart, I've said this so many times, you're not going to rip off the tax man. You're not going to sleep with someone else's wife if you love Jesus with all your heart. You're not going to kill anyone. You're not going to murder. You're just going to love Jesus because that's the highest passion of your heart. And as the highest passion of your heart is Jesus, so all of who he is starts to transform you and you become more and more like him. You don't want to do that stuff anymore when you love Jesus. And it says, uh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory as the one and only from the Father, full of grace, full of truth. How amazing that the word becomes a human being. We looked at it this morning in that little nativity. How amazing that this eternal pre-existent God who always was chooses to make himself a baby. That means he could be tempted. Jesus could be tempted. Jesus needed to pray. He needed to live on the strength that the Holy Spirit gave him. He needed the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And he only lived in this world temporarily. That's what the scripture says. He tabernacled. That means to live in a tent. You know that 2 Peter 1.13 says the same of us? It says that we tabernacle on this earth, that this is not what it's about. Actually, eternity is what it's about. And this is just our little journey in a tent. That's the language the Bible uses. This body is a tent. And John says we have seen his glory. The glory of God is the divine nature of God. It's the very stuff of the God. It's who he is. It's who he's like. It's his glory. It's his power. It's his wisdom. It's his purity. It's all these things. And John says we have seen the glory of God in Jesus. It is incredible. And so John, who's writing this gospel, he saw Jesus' unique sonship. He saw it in the miracles. He saw it in the glory of what Jesus did on the cross. He saw salvation in the death and the resurrection of, of Jesus. He saw it, for it with his own eyes. And the truth is that we too can see the character of, of God in Jesus. He's full of grace and he's full of truth. He's a revelation of God's grace and graciousness and he's a revelation of the truth of Father. He brings Father's grace. He brings Father's truth. He brings all of that in the way that he lived. And we can see it as we gaze upon him. And so John continues with that amazing sentence. We have received grace upon grace from him, from the fullness of Christ. And so, you know, the law, it did bring some blessings, and uh, Jesus brings something infinitely greater than the law. Infinitely greater. The law is over, my friends. The Mosaic law is fulfilled. It is over. It is completed. You never have to worry about not eating pork again. Ever. It is gone. It is completely fulfilled in Jesus. Completely fulfilled. That's what the Bible says. All of that stuff is completely fulfilled in Christ. 
we have the righteousness of God because of who Christ is. We have the status that Christ has, we have in Him before God. He sees us in that way. We receive, we receive something of the mind of Christ because we are in Him. We receive something of the Holy Spirit because we are in Christ. We receive something of the angels that watch over Jesus, they watch over us because we are in Him. It's mind-blowing. This is what the Bible teaches. This is good news. <laughs> His death has power for us. So as Christ died, we, the old person dies, and Christ is resurrected, so the new person that we are is resurrected in Him. This is the gospel. This is why it's such good news. And when He comes back in glory one day, we shall come back with Him. His home becomes our home in heaven. That's why we celebrate. That's why we rejoice. This is the good news. And most of all, why I want to celebrate right now is because Jesus brought a whole new epoch, a whole new chapter in the history of salvation. And John summarizes it in one little sentence. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The Mosaic law is over. It is fulfilled completely in Jesus. Grace and truth have come to us in Jesus Christ. John does not say grace and truth was given. He says grace and truth came to us in Jesus. Jesus was the grace of God in human form. Jesus is and was the ultimate truth of God in the form of a baby. You see, my friends, it, it changes everything. You don't have to pray because you feel fearful that God is going to punish you if you don't. Because actually, your position, who you are, is not dependent on whether you pray or not. It's dependent on Jesus. And you have the fullness of God's blessings in Jesus. It's good for you to pray. The only reason you give money in the church is because you love Jesus. That's the only reason. Because you love Jesus and you love His church and you want to be a part of that. You don't give money because you're fearful that if you don't give money, God is going to punish you. And uh, your washing machine is going to break. And your car is going to break down. I've heard this preached so many times. Rebuke the devourer. And how you do that is by giving money. No, my friends, you have the fullness of every blessing that you could ever want in Jesus. You have the fullness of that. You can be completely confident on that. The only reason you give money is because you love Jesus. The only reason is that you pray because you love Jesus. I want to suggest to you boldly this morning that if you don't give and you don't pray and you don't read the Scripture, it says something about your relationship with Jesus. It's got nothing to do with law. It's got everything to do with how you love Jesus. Those are just tiny little expressions of how you love Jesus. Baby stuff. It's ABCs. Oh, I love you, Helen, but I never want to make love to you. Oh, I love you, my sons, but I never want to take care of you. It's, it's, it's rubbish. Surely, love is practical. It's very, very practical. Love in God's community is so practical. It's, it's expressed like this, that you take care of the poor. 
that there's no needy among you, that you get together and you pray in each other's homes, that you break bread, that you're generous, that you give your money, you give your time, you give everything because it's Jesus's anyway. Oh, and yeah, I'm saying, I said to myself this morning, just they're going to be visitors here. Don't offend anybody. Well, grace and truth came to us in Jesus. The fullness of who God is. And so I conclude by this saying this. John, he, he shows us how all of that is true. He, he, he says this. Jesus interprets and reveals God the Father. He says, no one has ever seen, and, uh, seen God, the one and only, who is at the, at the side of God. He has made him known. So in the Old Testament, people di- didn't get to see God. The only way they could experience uh, God was in the work of angels that represented him. But the wonder of what we celebrate is that Jesus Christ comes, the fullness of God, the grace of God, the favor of God in the flesh. That's the wonder of what we celebrate. He is the embodiment of everything that is true, everything that is pure, everything that is lovely, everything that is noble. He's the image of, of the invisible God. And when we get to know him, we get to know God the Father. That's what we celebrate. That's the good news of the gospel. That's what a messed up, broken world needs to hear. If you have experienced forgiveness in your life, if you know the truth of God, if you've known that you have felt, if you've known what it feels like to feel black and dirty and just unworthy, and the grace of God comes and touches your life, and you feel the absolute weight come off of you, and you know what it means to be washed, the Bible says, be washed as white as snow. How many of you have experienced that in your life? Yeah, I've experienced that. If you've experienced that, I want to I encourage you, not only over this Christmas time, but every single day of your life, to faithfully declare that boldly with your mouth, with how you live, in the decisions that you make, to every single person that you can. That's how we preach the gospel. That's how we live the gospel. Why? Because grace and truth has come to us. Grace has set us free. Truth has set us free. The best thing we can do is to tell everybody else about that good news and pass it on to everyone that we meet. Amen? God bless you. I want to encourage you that if you've never, if you don't know Jesus, if you're visiting this morning, you know, the Bible says it's actually very, very simple. The Bible says that you don't have to do anything except believe. And that's why it's so offensive to people. (laughs) That's why it's offensive. You mean I don't have to do anything? No, you have to do something. You have to believe in Jesus. That's all you have to do. <laughs> you believe in Him. The Bible says an amazing thing happens. As you put your faith in Him, something happens instantaneously in your heart. It's called repentance. And, and it means to turn. And something happens inside of you. And as God brings to life your, the spiritual man, which is dead inside of you, everything else changes. Everything changes. And so you begin to see life in a whole new way and the things that you don't want to do anymore that you used to do. It's called repentance. It's called changing and becoming, uh, by the Spirit, we, we journey with the Spirit on this great adventure and we become more and more like Jesus. So why don't we pray together as we finish this morning. And if you don't know Christ, if you've never... I want to give an opportunity this morning. All the Bible says we need to do is believe in our hearts and say with our mouths that Jesus is who He says He is and He forgives our sins instantly like that. 
and we are acceptable to the Father because of what Christ has done. So, if you want to pray this prayer after me, if you're here this morning and you've never, never had opportunity to respond to the gospel, I'm going to ask you to all to close your eyes and I'm just going to pray. And um, if, you, if you want to pray this prayer, why don't you pray it after me? Jesus, I thank you that you came, that you humbled yourself, and that you lived amongst us as a man. And I thank you that because of what you did, my sins can be forgiven. And I simply say this morning that I believe in what you did. I believe in your sacrifice. I thank you, Lord, that you take my sin away from me right now. Every wrong thing I've ever done, every wrong thing I will ever do, you've taken it upon yourself. And Lord, I'm grateful. I want to say thank you. And I invite you to come by your Spirit and live within me that I might become more and more like you. That you would transform me from the inside pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, if you did pray that prayer, maybe you would like to come and speak to me. Maybe you'd like to speak to one of your friends that brought you. We want to rejoice with you. It's an amazing thing when anyone comes to the knowledge of Christ. It completely transforms the entire universe in your life in every way. It's the most joyful, wonderful thing.